the Cincinnati Reds prospects just can't get no respect. We're going to talk about why and look at some very interesting news in that Major League Baseball wants to cut more jobs from the minor leagues. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about on today's episode. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms where you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Uh, If you're an audio-only listener, please head over to YouTube and click that subscribe button because as the season unfolds, Jeff and I are going to be rolling out some exclusive content that's only going to be available right there on YouTube. My name's Stephen Offenbaker. I am one of your hosts for Locked on Reds alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball, a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. And we have turned that passion into information for you about the Cincinnati Reds each and every day, three days a week during this baseball lockout. On today's podcast, we are going to be joined by Doug Gray from RedsMinorLeagues.com as well as RedLegNation.com. And he's going to talk to us about a lot of things. And I think it's going to be a real fun conversation. We're going to get into Keith Law's prospect rankings of the Reds farm system. We are going to talk about Major League Baseball's continued efforts to downsize the minor leagues and not pay those players that aren't really making very much money at all. And we're going to get into uh, some rankings of Doug's in the minor league system and talk about players he thinks might be big surprises in the coming 2022 season. Uh, Jeff, I'm, I'm really excited for this conversation, so uh, let's get right to it. All right. For this edition of Locked on Reds, we have with us friend of the podcast, Doug Gray. He is the czar, the grand poobah, and the dude who knows all things about Reds Minor Leagues because he runs RedsMinorLeagues.com and he also runs RedLegNation.com. We have got a lot to talk about, and it's no thanks to the Major League side of things. We're not looking at the 40-man roster, obviously, because they're still locked out. We're still in the middle of that, but we're not talking about lockout stuff today. Promise you guys, that's not what we're doing. We are actually going to look at the Minor League side, and there's been a lot of rankings come out recently. We've had Baseball America. We've had Keith Law. Both of those were very different, and some of them were very confusing, depending on your level of knowledge with the minor leagues, those of you listening, and with Doug, I know that uh, pretty much nobody knows more than you two when it comes to the Reds farm system. What did you take away from those rankings? Because I felt like there was a lot to unpack. I think the biggest issue is that different companies, different publications use different criteria to make it who is eligible for the prospect rankings. And usually that doesn't come into play, but every so often it will. And this year was one of those years for the Reds because take, for example, Baseball America, they consider Jose Barrero a prospect. Um, He does not have enough at bats um, or games played to be quote unquote unqualified. Now, other publications don't consider Jose Barrero a prospect because he has too much service time to be eligible for the 2022 Rookie of the Year, which that only comes into play based on the 2020 season where players got 2.7 days on the roster for every one day they actually spent. And so there's, there's a weird thing going on where he's eligible for some list and not for others. So the list where Jose Barrero is a prospect, the Reds look very good because they find themselves with an additional top 30, top 40 prospect in all of baseball. And then places like, let's say, Keith Law at The Athletic, Jose Barrero is not a, not a prospect. 
So you're losing arguably your top prospect in your entire organization from those lists. So let's take, for example, again, the athletics farm system rankings. The Reds were 17th. Where or were they 19th? One, it was one of the two. Of the and teams, then it, yeah. it, in Baseball America, they were seventh overall. And so you know that makes a huge difference based off of just one player. Now, there was more to that as to why I think Keith Law had the Reds farm system a little bit lower. He's not nearly as high on Nick Lodolo as other places are. Um, I, I think that he's just missing the boat on that. One of the reasons he cited was that, you know, Nicodolo had a shoulder injury, but he's fine. He, he did. I mean, yes, he, technically he had a shoulder injury, but he's fine. Um, he's actually out in Goodyear right now pitching. Um, a, a select few number of minor leaguers showed up early. Or, well, they, they were invited out early by the organization. Uh, and Nicodolo was one of them. He's already pitching. He's already throwing. He's fine. He's ready to go. Um, I, I think the key just kind of missed on that one, but Hey, we, we've all got our opinions and our reasoning, and that's okay. If if we all agreed, everything would be kind of kind of boring, wouldn't it? It would. Let's let's sit right there on that Keith Law list for just a minute because Keith Law continues to to find his way into the Red Country narrative. I guess is a, a nice way to put it uh, at times. And when Jeff and I initially broke down this list, you know, sometimes I feel like Keith's just a little bit hard on the Reds for then harder on the Reds than he is for other people. And I thought he was particularly hard on Lodolo and and some of the reasons you mentioned. But overall, in his rankings and where some guys fell in that system. Uh, I, I just thought maybe he was, he was, I don't know, just tough, like a tough grader. You know, you get those college professors that are just tough graders. Do do you feel like overall the list was fairly representative of the system or like I had several problem problems throughout. Where were you on this thing? I mean, again, for the most part, I disagree with what Keith had to say as far as the Reds prospects go. Um, I, I think that he's, I'm pretty sure he's the highest guy out there as far as Hunter Green goes. Uh, I still think that, Hunter Green should be higher pretty much everywhere than he actually is. But um, I, I really do think that it, it's kind of a situation where not many people are qualified to know enough about prospects across all of Major League Baseball. I, I really do think that it's just every team's fans, readers, whatever, they think that Keith Law and pretty much every other prospect guy doesn't like their organization or their team for some reason. Um, I it's tough. And I, I really think that it's just a matter of, you know, you know, your guys better than other guys, because I mean, realistically, how many people have this as a full-time job? I mean, right. it's my full-time job to cover the Reds farm system. And I know it very well, but you can't expect me or anybody else really to know 30 farm systems like that. And and so I, I think that even if you're just trying to focus on the top five or 10 guys in every single farm system, that is so much to put on anybody's plate. And so you, you kind of really do know your guys better than the other team's guys. Um, and I really, I, I think that it's just a Keith Law hates everybody kind of feeling, uh, depending on who you're a fan of. Um, now, that's not to say I don't disagree with him on, on several of the things that he says. But again, we're all going to have our different opinions. You know, I've seen guys, you know, the first time I ever saw him, you know, first round pick right out of the draft. And the guy looked terrible. And especially if it's going to be a pitcher where you only get a chance to see them if you're in town, you know, for a full week, you might only see them once. If they don't have a good day that day, it, it really could color kind of your first impressions. And maybe that'll linger a little bit longer, too. Um, mm. and, and, you know, it's 
not like we're only going out there and basing everything on based on just what we see that one time. You know, we're, we're calling around. We're asking people that have seen them more. We're talking to organization. We're talking to, you know, scouts from other teams. But still, if you happen to be a guy like Keith Law, who, you know, unlike some of the other guys, he does get out and travel around and see the players in person. If you see somebody on the wrong day, that really can color your your impression. And, and maybe it does linger. Um, but again, if everybody had that same opinion, it'd be pretty boring. Um, I, I continue to say that being a, a professional baseball scout or, you know, a little bit further down, a guy who ranks prospects for a living, it's probably one of the toughest jobs in, in, in professional sports writing or just professional sports period. Um, I mean, you know, the first round picks, the guys that are supposed to be the easy calls because they're better than everybody else. 50% of them don't even get a cup of coffee. Right. 50% do not get a cup of coffee. It, it is not an easy job. You know, there aren't guys that are going straight from even a, a great baseball school like Florida straight to the major leagues. doesn't happen. You know, every year in the NFL and in the NBA, guys go straight from college to being all-stars. It's not like that in baseball. It's way harder to look at a guy who is 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and determine, is this big leaguer? How good of a big leaguer are they going to be? Um, it, it's it's just tough, guys. It, it really is. All right, we got some more prospect talk and going to transition into a little bit more businessy stuff with Major League Baseball talking about cutting more players from the minor league pool. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a minute. Before we talk about that, though, I got to tell you about Built Bar. Look, if you have not already gotten Built Bar in your life, you are missing out. Whether you are trying to diet or whether you're just looking for good taste, this is a good tasting snack. People say, well, it tastes like a candy bar, but it's better than a candy bar because it's like a candy bar, but with Joey Votto stats. We're talking about around 120 to 130 calories, up to 18 grams of protein, and less than four grams of sugar and less than four grams of fat. I'm telling you, you got to jump on it today. Go to built.com and use that promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Built Bar has all of the amazing flavors that you can think of, like Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, they've got Coconut, they've got Peanut Butter Brownie, they've got Limited Time Flavors Plus, they got the Puffs. You gotta get the Puffs. They're literally protein-packed marshmallows that are covered in chocolate. What more do you want in your life? Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, check it out today, transform your diet, transform your snack game, and take it to the major leagues with Built bar at built.com and use that promo code locked 15 all right now back to our chat with doug gray well you started to you started to touch on it and i think maybe we can just jump right into what all of our consensus number one guy in this farm system is right now uh, jeff and i agree anyway that it's hunter green uh, and I think he is reaching the point where um, he's going to have some scary expectations associated with whatever it is that he does this year. And so I'd really be interested to hear you talk about him for a minute. I know that there's still been a little bit of questions uh, in relationship to his secondary pitches. Uh, I think just my my non-expert opinion that the work that he has left to do on those can probably be done with Derek Johnson at the major league level. Uh, but I would be really interested to hear your take about about uh, what is the potential for him this season and what's realistic as far as these expectation goes that continue to build around him. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the expectations are probably going to be unrealistic in the minds of many, uh, especially right out of the gate. 
I mean, last year, Hunter Green was the youngest pitcher in double A. He was the youngest pitcher in triple A. Um, and that all came after basically he, I mean, he missed all of 2020. Um, I mean, so did many, many pitchers. Um, and then, you know, he, you know, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, which he would have been, you know, ready to go uh, early on in, in 2020 had the season not been canceled. But, you know, he entered last year with less than like 100 innings pitched in his professional career and then made the jump all the way up to double A and triple A. And he performed, you know, very well outside of, I think, two or three starts where they really, you know, pulled down his numbers in triple A. Um, I, I think the expe- expectation is going to be very, very high for him. Um, and, so and rookie they're, they're, of the year, Cy Young and World Series MVP, that's that's too high? Well, I mean, maybe not, <laughs> but no. But I mean, yeah, I, I really do think that there are people out there who are going to expect, you know, at the very least, you know, Cy Young caliber stuff. Now, I mean, you never know how that's going to work out in terms of, you know, is a guy going to be, you know, I guess anybody will be eligible for those awards. But, you know, to, to be the Cy Young Award winner, you have to pretty much be there from day one. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen with Hunter Green or not. Um, the Reds do seemingly have at least one spot in their rotation that's sort of up for grabs. Um, maybe there's two, depending on how guys perform. Um, but, you know, as Steven said, you know, there, there's some questions out there about uh, Hunter Green's secondary stuff. Um, in my opinion, I think that it's fine. I think that the key is that he just needs to throw more change-ups. I don't think that the change-up is actually an issue. Um, and, and that's something that can be, you know, squared away pretty quickly and easily. Um, you know, hey, we need you to throw this more. Tyler Stevenson, you know, put down the sign. Hunter, trust him to throw it. You know, it, it, it's something that, you know, it is going to be in a, in a pitcher's mind that, hey, I want to go with this pitch or that pitch. But if you go into, you know, the day that you're pitching and you know that one of your focuses is, hey, we want to throw the change up, um, then, then, you know, that's something that you can really work on. It's not like he needs to learn to throw a change up where that's a huge undertaking, a huge issue. Um, it, it's just a situation where he needs to have a little bit more faith just to throw it. Um, it seems right now he throws it to left-handed hitters more often than, or well, way more often than he's going to throw it to uh, right-handed hitters. And usually that's how it works out. You throw your breaking ball to the same side pitcher hitters that you throw. So you know, right-handers throw breaking balls to right-handers. You throw you know, the, the changeup, you throw that to the opposite guys. Now there's way more right-handers than left-handers in baseball. So in general, unless you're Luis Castillo, you don't throw your changeup as often to lefties or to righties as you do to lefties. So I think that that's one of the reasons that, especially with younger pitchers, you don't see them throw that change up as often early on in their pro career because it's something that they don't do as often just based on the, the right-handed, left-handed split of things. One of the things I noticed about the rankings, too, outside of Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and guys like that, was there seems to be a glut of shortstops. Whether you're talking about Matt McClain, you're talking about Ellie De La Cruz, there's so many different guys on this list, even below that, that are on the come up. And then you've got the whole, is Jose Barrero a shortstop? Is he a center fielder? What are they going to do with him at the major league level? Do you think that the continued success of guys like McLean and De La Cruz as they come up through the minor leagues is causing the Reds to kind of reevaluate what they do with Barrero or should it continue to be, as we say, Barrero shortstop one on day one of 2022. I mean, I think that you've got to go with Jose Barrero as your shortstop day one, unless 
you know, for some reason, your center field situation just completely fall apart in spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, pure upside, yeah, Ellie De La Cruz could probably match and maybe even be better than Jose Pereira on that, on that pure upside. But we're talking about a guy who has, you know, 200 at bats in low A baseball right now. Um, and, you know, it, it, I absolutely love everything that I see from the guy on the field, but I think it's fair to say he needs, he needs time. And who's to say that he gets to that, you know, ceiling, so to speak. Um, you know, the guy had 10 walks and 65 strikeouts last year. He's going to have to work on that if he's going to get the most out of his hitting tools. Like, that, 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 that's going to have to happen. Whereas, you know, Jose Barrero, you know, he's, he's done it at AAA. I mean, he crushed AAA. Um, and he's a very good defensive shortstop. And he's got the upside to hit 30 home runs and steal 20 bases. That's not a guy that you just decide, you know what, we've got this kid in low A that's also really good that we're going to move. Um, you make that decision when somebody forces your hand. Matt McLean is going to probably start the year in double A this year. He's not forcing your hand right now. Um, and, you know, there are some people that think that maybe he's more of a second baseman or third baseman or center fielder than he is a shortstop. He's not on the same level defensively as Barrero or, you know, Ellie De La Cruz or Jose Torres, for example. Um, and, you know, so and he, he's got time in center field too. So it's not like it would take much to transition him if, say, he does burst onto the scene this year and you've got to try and figure out what to do with him. You can put him in the outfield and it's not going to be brand new to him. That transition isn't going to take very long. He's not going to need months trying to figure out how to play the outfield. If his bat is ready, then, Hey, you've got options there. Um, and so I, I really do think that it would be foolish for the Reds to make a decision with Jose Barrero based on who's in the minors behind him, especially since there's not somebody there pounding on the door, you know, basically that did this, did the same thing that he did last year and just crushed triple a, um, They've got time to figure that that aspect out if they if they need to, and you, you never know what's going to happen. There have been plenty of guys that have had you know ton of success in A ball and even Double A who you know it just didn't work for them in the major leagues. I want to talk to you about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Football season has come to an end, and what a season it was! Congratulations to the Bengals, uh, but there is lots of other things to. To be interested in and many, many sports over at betonline.net. Betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season. It's not just the football that we talked about. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the National Hockey League, boxing, UFC, and it's all live and in real time with updates of the current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available for you in the 2022 season. BetOnline where the game starts you talk about the third base position and something interesting occurred early in the offseason and you and i actually had a little disagreement about this on twitter so i'd love to get your expanded thoughts on it uh that was when nick crawl came out and said basically that the organization is considering a move of reese hines to another position based on his inability to remain healthy and that they want to look at uh, possibly putting him somewhere where I guess he's going to be safer. I don't know where that is on a major league baseball field, but uh, that's, that's what they said. Maybe (laughs) DH, but you know, so my question, Doug is, you know, at the time I mentioned, well, maybe he moves to first base and you thought that that was not a great idea. So how do you see this whole thing playing out with Reese? Because he's definitely a talent, but he has had some unluckiness in the injury front. Yeah. You know, I I think that my, my disagreement is, is just based around, you know, there's not, in my opinion, at least, and granted, the Reds have way more medical ideas of what's going on with him than I do. 
Um, you know, I mean, he's had some injuries, but nothing that really seemed like this is a third base issue, um, which I'm not even sure what playing third base would lead to an injury for that playing somewhere else wouldn't. Um, I mean, if you're going to slide him across the diamond, I mean, you're defensively, your quick first step reaction isn't very different first base or third base. Um, you're, you're, you're pivoting and rotating very quickly if the ball's not hit to you to get over to cover first base. Or range-wise, you're basically trying to do the same thing you would be doing at third base, but just mirrored on the other side. Uh, and so that, that, that one I, I don't get. Um, you know, if you put him in the outfield, I mean, sure, but he's... I think that you would be wasting some defensive abilities there. He's got just an absolute laser arm. And yeah, you, you could put that in right field and it would probably play well. But, you know, you put him in in the outfield, that brings up other quote-unquote injury issues, especially in right field where you got to deal with a guy who's never played outfield and now he's got to worry about two walls and a center fielder running into him. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying that, you know, guys can't do that. It happens every year. Plenty of guys transition from infield to outfield. Most of the time they don't get hurt. But if, if you're going to base it off of, well, he could get hurt, I mean, you got that same problem somewhere in the outfield too. Um, and so I, I really don't know what the Reds are going to do. They were, they asked me my opinion. Well, they had to get a hold of me guys, but uh, you know, it's, I, I leave him at third for now. Um, I, I think that the, the upside is there for him, both offensively and defensively to be you know very good. Um, and he's still so far away. There's not really a reason to try and rush this. So that, that, that's just that's just kind of where I'm sitting at when it comes to re-signs and moving him to another position right now. I think that it's too soon unless you know for a, a very specific reason because your doctors are telling you, hey, we think that he's at a heightened injury risk at this position for this very specific reason that's not going to come up anywhere else. And in my brain, I can't really figure out why that would be at that position. Well, recently the Reds have had just no short of uh, success with moving third baseman to the outfield. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about something, a, a news item that came up a couple of days ago with the whole idea of Major League Baseball wanting to continue to just um, turn minor league baseball into a well-oiled machine, really um, shoring up the finances and uh, helping them along and turning them into the kind of organization that I think we can all envy. I'm just kidding. There was some interesting news, and I'd like to get your take on it because I, I read it, and, and I think I I think I understood what's going on. But is Rob Manfred saying, "Hey, let's cut more minor leagues"? That's kind of what they were saying. So, uh, as a part of the collective bargaining agreement negotiations that are going on, one of the things that was proposed was that Major League Baseball gets full control over how many players are in minor league baseball. And right now, as things are set up, it's the players would have to approve the cutting of more teams. Uh, last year was the first year that there were not um, rookie-level teams outside of the complex, whether it's in Florida or Arizona. Uh, you know, For example, the Reds had teams in both Billings, Montana, and in Greenville, Tennessee. That was 70 players that they basically had to say, hey, we don't have a spot for you anymore. And that happened you know, to every organization. Now, not every organization lost two teams. Some only lost one. Some lost two. Um, but I, I think that it's very weird that less than a year after that happened they're like you know what we'd like to cut some more um and so in this proposal it wasn't we want to cut teams it's that we want to be able to trim down the rosters now right now teams can have up to 180 players domestically in the united states um as far as you know under contract goes in their farm system they want to be able to make it 150 or less um Hmm. 
that's 30 more jobs. You do that on 30 teams. That's 900 player jobs after you just cut somewhere around 1,000 player jobs. So in two years, they want to cut basically 2,000 minor league playing jobs. Why? I mean, I know why. Because they want to not spend the money. And we get a good feeling for this because another thing they introduced was the draft and follow. Now, this is a thing that used to used to exist. And basically, there was no signing deadline until basically two or three weeks before the next year's draft if you drafted a player out of junior college. And you could still sign them the next year, even after they had already played their next junior college season. Um, and one of the reasons that it seems they want to do is they want to put the development on someone else. If you look at how things played out when they cut those minor league teams two years ago, although it didn't actually happen because they lost the 2020 season, um, they went with all these partner leagues, these semi-professional baseball leagues. And now they don't have to pay those players, but they still get to reap all the benefits of those players being developed. Um, It just seems that they're wanting to spend as little money as humanly possible but still reap all the benefits of, say, a system like what the NBA or the NFL has, where somebody else is basically paying for all the development of these players. Um, now, at least in the NBA, they have the the G League or Development League. I don't. I they. I think it's still the G League, but um, you know, nobody cares about that. Nobody follows that, and you know, you're not really finding yeah. any legitimate players out of that. You're finding those guys who get the ten day contracts when you know some team is decimated by injuries, and the guy's just going to go sit on the bench most of the time. Um, the, it's like a know, step above the practice squad in the NFL. It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're, you're, but you're there, but you're not there. <laughs> yeah. No, no, don't shoot the messenger. I'll preface with that. It's a good. It's um, a good thing we're on a computer then. <laughs> yeah, because for sure. But we've recently seen Bob Castellini lay off 150 employees in Kentucky in the produce side of his operation, and why shouldn't the owners? of these franchises have the ability to downsize their workforce based on the economic indicators they're seeing in front of them. Uh, Now, I don't believe the economic indicators they're seeing they see in front of them, but why shouldn't they have that ability? Why is it uh, not a fair ask of the owners for, to ask for the right to be able to reduce rosters? I'll say this much. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying. Here's the thing that I've seen brought up a lot. They're also not giving the owners that want to employ more people a choice. If, say, the Houston Astros wanted to have only 120 players, that would be okay. But what if the Cincinnati Reds wanted to have 250 players? That's not okay. So wh- why why is that? I, I remember when the Reds expanded in it and they got the Greenville franchise. I was talking with people in the front office, and the thing was they wanted to have those extra opportunities for players because yeah. – this, this part is me just speaking out loud. This was not something that the Reds said specifically to me, but you know, if you just get one player every couple of years who turns into a solid bullpen guy, not even a starting pitcher, not even an everyday player, just one solid bullpen guy who gives you three or four years of, say, a 4.0 ERA, that's worth tens of millions of dollars. Like It pays for everything that you spent having that team. And so... It's just weird that they want to limit everybody, but they don't want to make it so if, let's say, Bob Castellini, he invents a new fruit, as Brandon Phillips like to say, uh, and finds all of this extra money. And he wants to, you know, take take more opportunity, take more chances that maybe they can get that guy. 
he's not allowed to do that. Doesn't so it, I'm hearing this is a, another instance of Major League Baseball's owners asking for a cap without a floor. I mean, in, a, in a very roundabout way, yeah, sure, we can we can go with that. That's going to end part one of our conversation with Doug Gray. Tomorrow, we are going to dive a little bit more into this whole mess with Major League Baseball trying to cut some jobs from the minor leagues, and we are going to look at some prospects who could have a meteoric rise, some guys who we're not talking about right now, but we might be talking about, kind of like the Graham Ashcrafts and the Ellie De La Cruzes of the world this coming season but that's going to do it for us here today now thanks again for making locked on reds your hashtag first listen of the day go make locked on bets your second listen as your boy q and lee sterling have you covered on all things sports gambling and help you make a couple of bucks at betonline.net that's locked on bets just like locked on reds free and available wherever you get your podcast it might be the off season and we might be locked out but as steve and i always say We are Locked On Reds every single day.